Good morning, everyone. Oh, good. Thank you, James. Good morning. I love that. Good morning. Thank you, Linda. Okay, let's try that again. Good morning, everyone. I know that might be annoying to some of you because there's a whole personality type that finds that very annoying when you demand a response. But, you know, it's kind of like an exercise. Yeah, right there, my man. (laughs) Oh, isn't it good to annoy your husband right as you start? No, it's not. It's not. I love you. (laughs) So I wanted to preface our talk today. It's called Your Next Step. It's all about growing. And I wanted to preface this talk with just a little commentary. You know, I've been walking in relationship with Jesus for quite a few years, since I was 10 years old. And I've been practicing the habits that nurture my relationship with Jesus for most of that time with varying degrees of success, I might add. I need to add that. But my need to grow is still a reality today. And anyone who's with me for an hour, well, maybe less, can vouch for that. Okay? They know that I still need to grow. And I'm still learning I'm still discovering, I'm still listening to Jesus and trying to apply what he shows me. Now, the thing is, he doesn't just show me that all by me, myself, and I with him. He shows me that with some of you, okay? He shows me that as I spend time with him and as I gather with you guys each weekend. Jared and I have always told every church we've pastored that We're being saved even as you're being saved. And saved is a big word. You know, that Greek word sozo really has to do with being saved, spirit, soul, and body. It just means we're becoming more and more like Jesus together. You're helping me, and I hope that I'm helping you as well. And all of these things happen as we gather, as I spend time with him, but also as when I'm a part of the groups that I'm a part of, and also when I give my time, talent, and treasure in the ways that that Jesus asks me to. And all that is to say this, that whatever your faith story is today, wherever you are at the spectrum, whether you're a skeptic and you came here with some serious questions about God, or whether you've been fully convinced follower of Jesus for a long time, this talk is for you, and it's for me at the same time. In July, we had peak week at our gym, And this is where we test ourselves on workout activities that we did six months before. Now, six months before when we did them, we had to record how we did on them, the numbers, the repetitions, the the number of miles we ran, all of those kinds of things. And when we were doing this, we were testing for our endurance and our strength and our power. So when we redid the same activities, we had a little card handed to us, and it was right there in our own handwriting how we did the first time, and now I got to write the second time what my results were. Now, afterwards, our coach asked us to write down our goal, our next goal, our new goal on the glass wall that's right at the entrance, and I knew right away what I wanted to write on that wall. But as I walked home that day, I was struck with how intentional we can be about things like working out or things that have to do with our bodies or how intentional we are about our finances or about our jobs or about our family goals. These are all things where we often have a lot of aim and focus. But when it comes to our relationship with Jesus, a lot of times I find that we can proceed without much aim or focus, like it's just going to happen. We'll just naturally grow. 
And maybe that's because it is a relationship. We're not in a religion, folks. We're in a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. That's the cool thing. It's not a to-do list. It's not a workout list. It's not your wad, your workout of the day. It's not that. It's about a relationship that we're invited to. But that doesn't mean that we still can be a little more intentional about growing with Jesus because there are some habits that can nurture that. So growing is a process, and I think most of us know that it's incremental, that it doesn't happen all at once, and it takes some time. And if you doubt that, you just have to think back to your own kid's story because you know that threshold, that paneling around the door, the molding you put around your door, and you line your kid up at the start of the school year, you take your pencil, at least we did pencil, and you draw a line to their height, and you write the date. And of course, you measure it then with a yardstick or whatever you've got on hand, and you write that down. And then the next year, at the same time, just before school starts, you put them up, and they get their next mark, and they grow. Or maybe it's in reading to your kids, and now I'm doing that with my grandkids. You see, they sit down and they start reading to you, and when they first start, they're sounding out each word, right? And, and you just have to be calm and slow and in the moment, right? And let them do it. And you're so proud of them, and they're doing so great. But pretty soon, they're reading that book to you 10 times later, and now the words are fluid. And pretty soon when they read it, they start putting in all the expressions with the story. Growth. It's incremental. It's piece by piece. It's a process. So I called this talk, Your Next Step. Why did I do that? Because a step is a measure or it's an action that's taken in a series of actions that will help you achieve a particular goal or help you achieve a particular state or help you arrive at a particular place. It's a stage, just one stage, in a very gradual process. And the big idea today is this, that God wants every single one of us to grow in relationship with him. And that happens best when you and I are cultivating habits that nurture, that nurture our relationship with him, that feed into it. So as we talk about growing in relationship with Jesus today and four key habits that we can develop and grow in, I want to invite each one of you to consider what your next step is with Jesus. Where's the Holy Spirit nudging you? Where's he saying to you this morning, come grow with me? But before we talk about those four habits that we can develop and grow in, I want to review with you for just a couple moments what the Bible says about growing in the first place. The first thing is that God wants us to grow up. It's true. Now, Brad just shared his experience of seeing his daughter off for her first day of school. That was happening all over the greater Portland area and really across the nation. And one of my friends who has her firstborn, her son, is heading off to college, and she was moving him to his apartment. So she showed a picture of her giving the final hug, you know, as he was going to take off and move into this apartment. And she wrote next to it, firstborn at college, proud, definitely Crying like a baby. That was her, not him, by the way. You probably guessed that. This is the thing. When I say God wants us to grow, he's not nostalgic about where we've been. He's actually a lot more like Brad is. He's pumped. 
He's pumped because of what it means for us, though. Not because he's like, can't wait for this, this girl to learn her lesson and move on here. That's not it. He's like, yes, she is going to experience the next thing I have for her because she braved what I just threw in front of her or what she just needed to learn. That's what he's excited about. That's why he's pumped when we grow versus he doesn't cry big tears over that, over the fact that we grew in a particular area. He is as excited as Brad was. He wants more for us. He wants more life, that life to the full that he talked about in John 10.10. So Ephesians 4, verses 14 and 15, the Phillips translation says it so succinctly. The apostle Paul wrote these words, we are not meant to remain as children, but to grow up in every way into Christ. And in Colossians 4, Paul talks about his friend and ministry partner, Epaphras. He said, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus sends greetings. He's always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. Now, That was what Epaphras was praying. Now Paul's going to tell us what he's working on with them. Colossians 1, 28 and 29, he said, Jesus, that is, he is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Do you feel the energy in Paul's words there? how much he cares for those churches. Well, I want you to know that this is the way that Jared and I pray for you, that every person in the evergreen community will grow in Christ, that we'll be becoming more like him. We sing songs about it, you know, from glory to glory. We'll become like him as we behold him, as Paul writes. We pray for that, and we pray that each one of you would live your lives according to God's plans for you more and more, that you'd stand fully assured of his will, that you could please him in every respect. And I would say, yes, that we even contend for that, that we wrestle for that. It's a struggle sometimes, isn't it? And we watch you struggle in a decision, or we watch you struggle in a waiting period with God, where you're waiting for a job, or you're waiting for an answer, or you're waiting for direction. And that's where the wrestling begins in this prayer. And that's how we pray for you. So the next question is, yes, but what does it mean to grow up? It's not complicated. God's so much simpler than we are. It simply means to become like Jesus to more and more reflect who he is in our character, in our thoughts, in our actions. God has that distinct advantage that he knows us from the inside out. So his growing up for us involves all of it. It's real. Ephesians 4.13 says it this way, until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we'll be mature and full-grown in the Lord, measuring up to the full stature of Christ. And that verse has always reminded me of growing up because in my family, I always wanted to be tall, and I'm not sure what that was related to. I think I wanted to be a stewardess at that time, and you had to be a certain height. I think it was 5'8", and I was like, that's my goal. Well, the thing is, my standard was your parents, right? That's your first standard for height. Like, when you pass them, how many of you just admit you wanted to pass your parent in height? Yeah, yeah, okay, maybe it's just me, I make a competition out of everything, okay? But 
This thing of growing to the full stature of Christ, it means I won't be satisfied till I'm as tall as him, till I'm just like him. It's so awesome. But is it possible to be a Christian and not grow up? Absolutely. In fact, the writers to the Hebrews addresses this specifically in Hebrews 5, 12, and 13. Here's what it says. You've been Christians a long time now, and you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things a beginner must learn about the scriptures. You're like babies who drink only milk and cannot eat solid food. And a person who's living on milk isn't very far along in the Christian life and doesn't know much about doing what is right. So when someone gets stuck in their development, in their growth, whether it's physical growth or growth with Christ, we call this arrested development. Arrested development. That's the technical term that people use for it. Now, Jesus actually acknowledged that this can happen on multiple occasions, but one that I love is the parable he told about the sower who takes seed and scatters it and it lands on different kinds of ground. Well, in Luke 8, 14, he tells us a few things that can derail us in growing in Jesus. It's not a comprehensive list, but just three. And I just want to mention this. Here's what he says. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear the word of God, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. So there really are some things that can get in the way of our growing, and just three are mentioned here. Life's worries, pleasures, and riches. Now, it's really not helpful to just create a this-is-the-bad-way list, right? These are the things that will derail you. The more helpful way is to look at, yes, but what can nurture growth? What feeds growth? That's where we want to focus. But the thing is, the fact that we can be a Christian and not grow should be a motivation to us to keep growing, should encourage us to create habits that will nurture our relationship with Jesus. So let's talk about four habits that will do that. And if we were plants, I would say that these are the dirt, the water, the sun, and the fertilizer. Yep, God even uses fertilizer. Manure, as some people would say, okay? So these four habits, we call it here at Evergreen, the 4G network. I know that you've seen this on things before and heard it from us many times. God, gather, group, and give. Let's look at habit number one, God. This is the habit of spending time with God in conversation and time in his big story, which is the Bible, his love letter to us. Now, Jesus had this habit. In Luke 5, 16, Dr. Luke records for us his observation. He was good at doing this throughout the book of watching Jesus' life and going, here's what I see him doing on many occasions. He's making an observation. He said, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Now, Jesus didn't save prayer for before meals, bedtime, and church. He just didn't do that. He, his relationship with his father was never tied to a single place. And that's really good because he was all over the place, right? He was an itinerant rabbi. He was a teacher who traveled around. He moved a lot. His relationship with his father was nurtured wherever he happened to be. That should set some of us free to thinking that this has to happen in a certain place. God wants to meet with us and talk with us in the everyday stuff of our lives. 
when we're on vacation, when we're out on that river fishing, when we're laying on the beach in the sun, when they're getting a massage someplace. You know, it doesn't matter what you're involved in. You can talk to him anytime, any place. You can focus in your attention on him. He's not confined to a singular place. Now, in our family, we've called this PB&J time. We've called it that ever since our son was young. It came out of a habit that he had. And it's just always been a vivid picture for me. Because for nine years, from first grade through ninth grade, yes, nine years, he took the same lunch every day, a PB&J. And I don't want any mom judging out here, okay? Don't talk to me after the service. Food was not our battle, and he turned out just fine, thank you. So no mom judging allowed. But the thing is, PB&J was the consistency that Jordan ate that PB&J with. That has always been a reminder for me. Every day, the same thing. Doesn't that get boring? Well, not when we're talking about meeting with Jesus, it doesn't. But this PB&J, prayer, Bible, and journal. And don't get hung up on that J, that pesky J that we add there, that journal piece. Because we're not talking about each of you buying a diary with a lock on it or writing pages every day. We're just talking about record somewhere what you want to remember. I just met with somebody, a really wonderful leader here at the church. And as we were nearing the end of our conversation, I said, could I write a few things down that I want to remember about what you're sharing with me? And she said, sure. And I just pulled out my phone and I just typed those puppies in. Why did I do that? Because it's a law? Because it makes me better? No, because they were important stuff I wanted to remember. That's all recording is about. And you can do it a thousand different ways, even by just recording it verbally into your phone on a recording app. So PB&J, prayer, Bible, and journal. Now here at Evergreen, we have the soap journals, and they're always available at Info Central. And this is just one way. I used composition books. I've used three-subject notebooks. I've used everything under the sun for writing in. But this is a plan that you can use, and there's many plans out there. But it's a way to approach God's Word where you read Scripture, see what the Holy Spirit highlights for you, reflect on it, and then write your observations, and then think about how does God want to apply that to my life right now where I live, 2017, and then you pray. It's just one of many plans. You know, there are so many ways that we can spend time in God's Word now and have access to it. And there's wonderful devotionals that are available, and that's great as well. But with things like YouVersion and Bible Gateway, you can have a specific amount or portion of Scripture sent to your device every day. You don't even have to think about it. And it comes to you. And not only that, you don't have to read it. You could listen to it, audio, for free. It doesn't cost anything. And not only that, you can get it in any translation that you want. But here's the deal. Though it's true that we've never had more access to the Word of God in our lives, it's also true that we've never been more Bible illiterate than we are right now as a nation and as a group, a body of Christians, his church. Lifeway Research did a study two years ago in 2015 and discovered that only 45% of those who regularly attend church read the Bible more than once a week. And over 40% of the people attending church regularly read their Bible occasionally, maybe once or twice a month. And almost one in five people who regularly attend church say they never read their Bible whether it's on a device or anything else, or listen to it. This one habit of spending time with God and reading 
his word every day or listening to his word every day. Did you know that if you listen to the Bible on a CD or in a U version or something, if you listen to the whole Bible nonstop, it would take 75 hours. That's with the average speaking of 150 to 170 words a minute. 75 hours to listen to the whole Bible for the year. You could break it up into 10-minute segments and listen to that when you're on your way as a chauffeur mom to pick up your kids from someplace and transport them to the next activity. So just thinking about how could I be a person that regularly invests in God's love letter to me? Right now, for me, I got this cool Bible that is made of paper that you can write in, and it doesn't bleed through. It's specially made to do that. And so I've been writing off in the margins in my devotions this year um, as I went through the Psalms. And I have the year Bible right now being sent to me every day on my device. I still like to pull out my hard copy, and I just take the reading they sent me and look at it. But we're all different that way. That's the point. It's a relationship. How are you going to grow forward in that? So habit number two is gather weekly. And being connected in a community of faith where we worship and are reminded of God's greatness and of his goodness, isn't that wonderful? Did you experience something during worship this morning? Did God speak to you? That is a part of our gathering weekly. And when we gather, we receive teaching and we pray together as we've done this morning and we pray for others and we're here to encourage one another. Now, I know a lot of you think hospitality is about having a snack after the arduous service. No, actually, it's never been about the food. When we started that, it was all about giving people a reason to hang out a little longer so they could connect with people. And this is the thing, that connection is meaningful. So two weeks ago, we sent Rick and Elizabeth Sawcheck. And just pause right here. How many of you find yourself missing our, our pastors who have been serving with us? Yeah, yeah. And I want you to know something. It's okay to miss people. Isn't that what community means? They are part of us, and they're not with us now, and we're going to miss them. I want you to be able to do that and to talk about them and to remember things that you appreciated and enjoyed. And remember, they're not always gone forever around here. We bring people back. So um, there's that part of it. But here's the deal. Several weeks ago, I just finished the sending message, and we prayed for Rick and Elizabeth. I went out into the lobby, and this couple came up to me, and she looked at me in the eyes, and she took my hand, and she said, Ann, when you were teaching today, I saw an incredible sadness over you. And I began to weep as she said that. And I said, it is about my neighbors. I said, I am so saddened by the animosity and the, and the difficulties that are going on with my neighbors. And I don't see how we're going to get through this. And then her husband spoke up. And he said, remember Ephesians six twelve, Anne, For our battle is not against flesh and blood but against powers and principalities in dark places. And in that moment, they said, could we pray for you? And then they pulled in another guy who was standing there, Greg, an awesome guy, and the three of them prayed over me. And literally now for two weeks, I've had an incredibly peace-filled experience. Things aren't going all smoothly, but I've had incredible peace in the middle of it. 
all because of stopping out here in the lobby for a few minutes. That's what you do. That's what we do together. We can purpose that. We can be more purposeful about that. We can ask God, do you have something for me to bring this morning that I could share with someone? That's a powerful thing. That's what I mean about growing in these habits. Gathering weekly. Now, let's hear what Jesus did. Jesus and his disciples modeled this. Even though he was an itinerant and he traveled around, he spent a lot of time on the road, but he still found a way to every Sabbath make his way to the synagogue in the locale he was in or to the temple if he happened to be in Jerusalem. And Luke 4.16 tells about this. It says, he went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went to the synagogue as was his custom. I know some people are going, yeah, and you're a pastor. Of course you're going to be at church. Of course you're going to gather. You're paid to do it. I mean, that's what some people say, right? Never did think of it that way before, but, you know, that is a thought. Well, when we moved here from Los Angeles, we were on a sabbatical, and we were on a search to see what is God up to and where does he want us, what does he want us to do next. But in the middle of that, we knew it was essential that we be part of a local church. And so we made a four-year-old church in town called Our Place, Our Church, Our Community. We knew that God was calling us there. We didn't just attend services. We poured our life into that community of people and into the greater community of Hillsboro with them. The thing is, before we left to take our new assignments after two years to go to Beaverton Foursquare on staff there, we had a dinner with the group that we had been a part of for that two years. And we just thanked them for loving and leading with us, for helping us to work together to change our community. And then we arranged to take Stephen Renee Brooke, the pastors, out. And we thanked them for all that they'd invested and how they let us come there and be loved and accepted at a really difficult time in our life. And it was a beautiful expression of what the gathering is all about, this community of faith. But I want you to know that our commitment to gathering was not linked to a role or a job. It was linked to following Jesus. It's an expression of humility and love. It's an admission of need. I need you. We need each other. And it's an expression of love for the messy, broken people that we all are, something we all share in common together as we follow Jesus. Hebrews 10.25 says it this way, And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Well, this last week, you know, there's been just storm after storm hitting our country, and, and then not to mention the wildfires. I mean, our state, Montana, California, especially in the L.A. area, has been under fire watch. So a lot of things happening. And she wrote in Facebook, she said, hmm, there's a lot of storms and a lot of turmoil happening in our, in our nation and across our nation with the weather and fires. She said, maybe I need to take another look at Revelation. That made me smile. Because that's what Hebrews is talking about here. It says that our gathering is a part of encouraging one another as we watch Jesus' approach come near. The thing is, no one knows the hour or the day that Jesus is going to return. <clears throat> but that is meant to be a motivation for us. When I work out, there's sound bites. 
the gym has them. Every gym has them as far as I can tell because I've seen all the different ones and some of them I make fun of. But here's a few of them. Be stronger than your excuses. The voice in your head that says you can't, it's a liar. If you want to reach your goals, you have to shrink the size of your butt. Now, I love that one. Come on, <laughs> loosen up out there. That is really true. I have heard a lot of butts in my day, and I have posed my own. It doesn't matter if I feel like working out. All that matters is that I do it anyway. Now, these sayings are there to motivate me to not give up, to not quit working out, to keep what habit? Showing up. Showing up day after day. We have goals for working out our bodies. What should, what about working out our faith and community? What's your goal this year? Habit number three is to group. This is your posse. This is where you are known and you can know others. Because let's face it, we can't have, all of the people in this room can't be our best friends. Not in the real definition of it, right? And I don't know all of you deeply. I know some of you deeply and some of you medium. You know, we could put some measures on there. I wish I could, but it's in a group that you will be cared for in the most intimate sense of the word. So Jesus had a group of 12, and they hung out together, and they traveled together, and they ate together, and they prayed together, and they learned together, and they failed together as they were walking with their fearless leader, Jesus. And the early church continued this very same practice. As it says, they gathered at the temple, and then they met home to home, eating a meal together, sharing joys and sorrows, and walking with each other through the gnarly stuff of life and helping each other through whatever we face. And when we make a habit of gathering in a group like this where we can be known and we can know, that nurtures our relationship with Jesus. We will grow We're about to launch Rooted, which is just one small group experience where you get to connect, experience, and grow with some other people. But I want you to know that it is an act of commitment, is an act of humility, and it is an act of bravery to sign up for a group. And never is that more true than Rooted, and this is why. First of all, we haven't told you who you're going to be with. We haven't told you who your facilitators are going to be in your group. That's unlike most groups that you would sign up for. That is an act of bravery to sign up for that. And the bravery is in trusting God with what he's going to put together there. So there's legitimate work and schedule demands that prevent some of us from participating in Rooted, this round of Rooted. But I want to let you know today that it's also true that we have an enemy of our souls, and he is going to offer you all sorts of reasons and plant fearful thoughts in your mind to keep you from taking this step because he doesn't want it. And I want to encourage you, listen to Jesus who never motivates us with fear or a sense of punishment. Follow him and make a habit of being part of a group where you can be known and can know others, and where there's people who will help you become more like Jesus, and where we can pray for each other, encourage each other, and challenge each other. Did you know that in Rooted, you're going to have an opportunity to speak prophetic words of encouragement over the gifts 
that God has given you. That you're going to have an opportunity to offer prophetic prayers over people. This happens later in the time, so don't worry. It's not going to happen the first night. But you're going to be encouraged. Let's talk about habit number four, give, of our time, talent, and treasure. Now, when we say the word give, I don't know. I just feel like everybody always hears ka-ching. You know what that stands for? Money. That's what they hear. Yet in our economy, the most precious commodity is not money. It is time. It is time. And we're talking about our time, our talents, and our treasures in giving. Here's what Paul, in one of his many pieces of instruction on giving, addresses. In 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 and 8, he says, Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he's purposed in his heart, not grudging or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything. Oh, do you love that? That's a all, 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 everything, everything, everything kind of phrase. I love it. You may have an abundance for every good deed. So I'm going to put that in one sentence. Anne's paraphrase, you cannot, we cannot outgive God. That's all Paul's saying. We can't outgive God. So we don't have to be afraid of the things that God is leading us into in investing our time, talent, and treasure. Now, Peter had something to say about this as well. In 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11, he has this wonderful verses about our gifts. He says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though it were God himself speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Okay, now anyone who's observed a room of toddlers playing knows that sharing is not the trait that we would attribute to the natural man. Okay, it is not natural. It doesn't come naturally. Giving is a God trait. Jesus modeled and taught us to live a life of generosity. And it's part of his Imago Dei, his image in us. And we live and look more like Jesus when we're giving of our time, talent, and treasure to love and serve others in God's big world. Let me tell you about a couple of those people that you maybe never heard of. You know, there's a woman here in our church. Her name's Marilyn McLean. She happens to be one of the leaders for the Guatemala team that's going out. But that's not what I'm talking about this morning. You see, for three years, she's led the Info Central team. For three years behind the scenes, she's prepared this group of women to help share information. As we like to say, Info Central is know-it-all central, right? But they don't act like know-it-alls. And she has led this team, invested in the team, thanked the team. I call her the lowest maintenance team leader I've ever met in my life. But amazing. She's given of her time, her talent, and her treasure to love that team and raise that team up. And Another thing is, do you ever wonder where this food came from that comes out here every Sunday? There's a woman, her name's Jennifer Rose. And for five years now, she's been out buying every week the food for hospitality. Not only that, every Wednesday, she comes home from work in Vancouver. And she lives out here by Evergreen. And she comes home and she comes here. And she goes to the coffee bar and fixes what we mess up. 
And I'm not talking about cleaning the counters off. I'm talking about all the supplies. There's so many volunteers that use it. And if you're like me, sometimes I get in a hurry and I put things in the wrong places. I know you guys are perfect, but I'm not. Okay. But she does that every week on Wednesday nights for us. And she orders supplies, the cups, the kiosk uh, things with all the teas and the coffees and things in them. That's Jennifer. She's been essentially invisible in that for five years. You think that took some time? That's an expression of love for all of us and for our guests that we bring. It's awesome that there's people who love that way. This is the thing. Rooted will help you discover your gifts. Maybe you feel pretty assured in them. Well, then it's going to be vastly encouraging to you because, as I mentioned, of people sharing their prophetic words of encouragement and confirmation in your life. Four habits we can establish to nurture our relationship with Jesus. God, gather, group, and give. Would you take a look at just one person's story who came to faith here at Evergreen and how he's grown? Hi, my name's David, and uh, this is my story. In April of 2015, my father passed away unexpectedly. The family made the trip back to Kansas uh, to get things taken care of. And uh, before we left, uh, we decided to visit my father's church. Uh, We went to the church and sat and listened to everybody talk about my father and what he meant to them. And what he meant to this small church out in the middle of Kansas, uh, what he brought to them, uh, the light, uh, the work, his love for the kids and the camps. And it just was something that I had never heard from my father or ever witnessed. On the way back, we talked about um, finding a, a church that we could be a part of. In May of 2015, we were invited to Evergreen from our neighbors, Mark and Diane. And I remember that day vividly. I remember uh, walking in and being greeted by Ed. And I remember finding uh, the seat that I wanted to sit in. And, and I remember that first song came on and how I was like, wow, you know, I just, I hadn't heard this before in church. And, and it was just so enlightening to me and and so eye-opening and I remember driving home and talking to Kathy and saying you know this this could be this could be good we started coming to church on a regular basis and for the first year I don't believe we missed more than four Sundays in May of 2016 our son fell ill and uh, it was a very difficult time for us. Uh, DJ was really sick. He was uh, very critical. And uh, the thought of losing him was real. And all I can think about was, you know, why us? Why our family? I started thinking about how I was going to hold the family together. We were living moment by moment at that time. I received a phone call from Jared that evening. Uh, We talked for a few moments, and uh, 
you said a little prayer for us. And the minutes turned to hours and the hours turned to days. We were happy that after 35 days, after everything that we went through and everything that our son battled, that he was able to walk out of the hospital and come home. And uh, we started back into church regularly after that. And so I made some arrangements and, and started serving. December of 2016 came around. I made the decision to be baptized. And I was ready. I was ready to make that next step. That January, we were invited to um, rooted a small group. Kath and I didn't take very much time. We, we talked about it one night, and I think we sent back an email within two days saying, we're all in, and we wanted to be part of this, and this was going to be my first small group experience. And it was an awesome, awesome experience at that. I got to sit there and tell my story for the first time, the appreciation of them accepting somebody who was so new to following Christ in their life that they opened their arms to us. Rooted made such an influence on my life, and the people were just so awesome, and I was ready. I was ready to make that next step. So the question that Jesus is asking us this morning is, what's your next step? We talked about some, and, and Dave Foley, who did he, didn't that take a lot of courage to share? Yeah, I so appreciate Dave doing that. He was in the 930 service. If you see him next week on your way in, you can, you can thank him for doing that. But uh, the, he talked about some of his steps, and I want to mention just a couple of steps that God might, maybe was speaking to you about. First of all, maybe you're here and you're one of those people that's been exploring who God is and, and you're ready to take that first step of saying yes to him, to what he did for you on the cross. You're ready to open up to his love, to let him be your leader and Lord of your life. And that's as simple as you, as I pray in just a moment, you just saying, Jesus, I want you. I want to follow you. That's what Dave did. And maybe today, your best step, your next best step is to be baptized. And October 15th, we're going to be baptizing people again. We did a couple weeks ago. And this is just an opportunity where we follow Jesus' example, and it's us going public with our faith. It's us saying in front of God and everybody, I'm with him. And we do it through a picture of baptism, of identifying with Christ's death and burial by going under the water, coming up out of the water and identifying with his resurrection life and the new life that he promises us, that he's living out in us now as we walk in relationship with him. So that's baptism. That's another step that people take, depending on where they're at with Jesus. Today, maybe your next best step is one of the habits that we talked about. You know, maybe there's something that God addressed with you about spending time with him and his word and prayer. Maybe... Today, he talked with you something about the gathering and your habit, how you could take it to the next level, how you could come with something to give away of life. Maybe today, he talked with you about a group, and he's talking to you about Rooted, and you're ready to make that brave decision, and that decision that expresses a lot of humility, 
because it says, I'm not enough by myself with Jesus. I need, I need you. And maybe you're ready to sign up. And you can do that out at Info Central. But maybe it is also God's inviting you to give your life away in some way. Maybe there's something that you know that you've seen that you've thought, I could help with that. I could do this. It might not be here and within these four walls. It might be something out in the community because that's God's big world that he calls us to love and serve in. I'd like to pray with you and pray for our weeks that we'll take those next steps. Jesus, thank you so much for speaking to us. I trust you, Holy Spirit. You're so much better at talking to each one of us about our lives. So I pray for each person here, Lord, they'd hear you clearly. They'd take their next step, Lord, today and this week, that you'd continue to lead us and speak to us. And when you speak, we would say yes. We thank you, Lord. I pray that every one of us would grow in the knowledge of you and that we would stand fully assured of your will so that we could please you in every respect and that, Lord, together we'd wrestle our way forward to become the mature Christians you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.